let's get started before I throw up. <laughs> so it's funny how, like, um, at work, it's my job, and so I'm confident, and I can get in front of a crowd, and it's not a problem, but when you shift, when you take away the work, and you take away the job, it's kind of scary. Um, if you don't know much about me, I'm very much an introvert. Um, the greeting time that we do, you know, right before service, like, I have to work myself up because people just... People, it's hard for me to do people, and so um, if you'll just bear with me, um, I'll get used to the lights, I'll get the nerves out and get going. Um, but just, it's been on my heart to share my story, and so it's funny. Um, so I grew up in church, and my dad um, was very much in a prison ministry. And so I remember sitting in church just throughout my childhood, and they would bring in people to come tell their stories. And, I would listen to these guys just tell about their lives and how they found Jesus, and I always thought, man, I want a story. I want a story to tell. Well, what I didn't realize is that with the story, you have heartache. <laughs> That's how you get your story. And I also learned growing up, everybody has one. And so, you know, so I'm going to share my story with you. Um, now, growing up as kids, we always would line up all of our babies, and we would take turns preaching. And so we'd stop the sermon and we go spank our babies. So I guess we got a lot of spankings in church. <laughs> so my sister's here, so if I stop the sermon and go spank her, it just that's the way I practice growing up. <laughs> so um, the, if I had to, so I'm going to share my story. I'm going to share my favorite chapter from the Bible and just kind of let you get to know me a little better. But I hope that I can encourage you. I hope that my story will just bring hope um, if you're in a season of waiting. Um, but if I had to Nail it down in three words. It's called, But Jesus Waited. So, um, if you'll pray with me. Father God, Lord, I just pray that we just learn more about you in your heart today. And that you just show us a glimpse of how much you love us. We just thank you for your word and for opportunities, Lord, just to get to know you better. I pray that you just prepare every heart and every ear, Lord, just that we can receive your message. I ask, Lord, that you just speak through me and that we just... In the service, just being able to be wrapped in your arms and just feel your true love. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. Okay, so my favorite chapter in the Bible is John 11. So I'm going to read through it and then we'll jump in. Okay? So it says, A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This was the Mary who later poured oil and expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus, telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will, be, will receive glory for this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him. The disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. <coughs> so he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there, for now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, 
said to his fellow disciples, let's go to and die with Jesus. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed at the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, The teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the, people of, uh, when the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep, so they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? he asked. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, See how much he loved him? But some said, This man killed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across the entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the, man, no, but Martha, the man's dead sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell is will be terrible. Jesus responded, I didn't tell you that you would... Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here, so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in headcloth. Jesus told him, unwrap him and let him go. So if you were to sum up the story, here's the big points, okay? Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He had a personal relationship. It wasn't just a casual relationship, like he knew them personally. Lazarus got sick, and so what did Mary and Martha do? They sent for the one that they knew could, make it to, could heal them, okay? But what did Jesus do? He waited. And what it says is Jesus loved Mary and her sister, or Mary, Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes as I'm reading the Bible, I come to things that I just don't understand. And I'm like, I, I don't understand this, but I always just pray, okay, God, I believe that you're good, but I don't understand. And this is one of those verses until it happened in my life. So I'm going to kind of tell you my perspective of it. But now, it was dangerous for Jesus to go back, but he did. Um, and he, but he told the disciples, before they even went, he told them, he's died. Um, so he, he claimed it. He knew he was going to bring them back. So he had a mission. He knew what he was doing. And I think it was important that he said it before he got there for the disciples. Um, and then, of course, when the sisters saw, they both were like, where were you? So, um, so Jesus had some choices. 
when Mary and Martha sent for him, okay, he already knew what was happening, okay? So one, he could have gone right now. He could have went back, he could have been there to pray over him, and he could have saved him before he died, but he didn't, okay? He could have healed Lazarus from where he was. We know there are stories in the Bible where he just prayed, and, you know, the person that was sick was miles away, cities away, and they were instantly healed, but he didn't, okay? He could have prevented Lazarus from getting sick in the first place. You know, he could have spared him the sickness, spared his sisters, but he chose not to. Um, and so, but because he loved them. And so both sisters were confused. And I don't know about you, but have you ever been in that place where you're like, I'm living my life for you. I pray. I trust you. But everything's falling apart. Where are you? And, you know, they, they cried out, where were you? Um, we believed you could, so why didn't you do it? And, but the response is, because he loved them. And so that is so, it was so hard for me to wrap my brain around it. But, um, so I'm going to leave that there for just a second. Okay, so he loved them, and so he didn't. Okay, now my second uh, part from the verse is, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Jesus wept. Okay, he knows why he's there. He's fixing to bring Lazarus to death, to back to life. Like, he's seconds away from it. But he sees them, he's, he feels the hurt, and he cries with them. And to me, that's just a message that, like, there's not a tear that you shed in vain. He cries with us. He holds it. We're promised in the Bible he captures every tear. And he promises to turn it to joy beyond measure. And so, though he waited, he didn't spare it for them, he was there in the moment. He was holding them. He cried with them. Um, let's see. So, had this not had happened, they probably would have still believed in Jesus. They would have probably lived their life out. Um, but Jesus knew that they needed what was coming. He knew they needed a big faith. So had he had spared them from it, they would have probably still followed and been fine. But had they had not gone through this moment of just crying and four days of agony, you know, feeling betrayed, feeling that God had left them, you know, just desperate for their brother. You know, after four days, reality's already started to set in that he's gone, okay? But he comes and he brings them back to life. He did that because if you think about it, what a big, like, it's one thing to heal someone, but to see someone brought back to life, like, he needed to do something big. And it changed the trajectory of their life. Like, they had a strong anger in him, a strong faith, because they had to go through that hardship. Because they had to face those four days, he loved them too much not to let them. He couldn't spare them from it because he knew that going through that would give them that anger in him and that they would really have that faith. So not only did it strengthen their faith, but think about what it did to everyone around them. Now, he claimed it in front of the disciples before they ever got there. And just, you know, the disciples were living their life for him, but to get to see him claim it and then come and do it, like, he was able to anchor everyone. And so, Jesus uses our hardships and our stories to give us those strong anchors and to teach us about his love. And so, sometimes when we're alone and we feel like, where are you? I'm doing everything right. You're not there. He's there all along. But we have to, he gives us the opportunity to have to sit with it for a little bit. So that way we can find that anchor whenever he does bring that answer. Um, so my story. So my story wasn't four days um, of agony. It was seven years. Um, we 
tried for seven years to have kids. And we got both of my sisters. I'm the oldest, but I have two sisters that are younger than me. And they already had kids. Our family had never had any trouble having kids. You know, we have a big family. And so when my husband and I decided we were ready to start trying, um, it was kind of a rude awakening. So I was pregnant with twins the first time. And we had a miscarriage. And so we would always get several months into the pregnancy. And then for no reason, it would just stop. And so um, we lost the twins. And then we started having just issues. Um, and I remember going to the doctor and she just said, um, well, those babies are just a genetic mess. <laughs> and just crying and just, what's wrong, you know? And so we tried. We did everything the doctors would tell us to do. And we had even um, decided it doesn't matter. They don't have to be our own kids. Let's, let's do foster to adopt. So we would go, we got, did training through CPS, and we were going to take in foster kids and adopt. And so we, would get, we got all the way through the process, and all we needed was the home study. Well, I got pregnant. So like, okay, God, okay, I get it. Let's, so we're going to put a hold on that. Let's have the baby. So we get going several months into it. I, I lost the baby again. And so it was one of those where you're like, I don't understand. And of course, everyone around was, was pregnant and having babies, and I was happy for them, but me and my heart was just broken. And so then we decided, okay, well, let's do adoption. So we had found a little girl, and it was a, a friend of our family, just a friend, some of our personal friend's child, and um, we were going to adopt her baby because uh, she was very young. And we had named her, and we were ready, and just excited, and got almost to the paperwork, and she changed her mind. So I was like, okay. So we, then I got pregnant again. We lost the baby. So we thought, okay, let's try foster to adopt one more time. So we went through the whole process again, got to it again. I got pregnant, lost the baby again. And so for seven years, it was just roller coaster of just highs and lows. And I just used to cry, where are you? I love you and I've lived my life for you, but where are you? It's not fair. And I would just cry, and I just even told God, like, if you will just, if you don't want us to have kids, that's fine, but just take away this desire. Take it away, and I'll be good. Because I was teaching, and kids were filling my cup at school, and so I was good with it. But he wouldn't take away that, that desire, that, that burning fire in my heart. And I don't want to give up, but it just never failed. Like, about the time I was ready to just throw the towel in and give up, he'd, he'd come, he'd pop up just in time, and... Through the process, I had gotten to a pretty dark place. Um, my marriage was on the rocks. Um, I just would recluse and just, we had a, a, a rocker that we had in our nursery, and I would just sit there and cry. And so, like, um, Kenny and I, like, we just were very distant. And in the middle of all this, we found out he was getting moved to Fort Worth for his job. And, like, I, everything in me wanted to just stay and just let the marriage dissolve. Just let him go and let me stay. And, but just, God would always plant people in my life at just the right time. Or he'd send me up to church so I'd hear just the right message. Or just when I was done yeah. and mad at him and just be like, no, I've done it your way and it's not working. He would just, in my heart, I would just feel this, his presence and this glimmer and just, he just would give me the power to, to pick myself up and do it again. Now, it was a seven-year process. But to tell you today, I'm sure you already know that the end, if you've seen all my children running around. <laughs> um, I have my three miracle babies. 
So I have my twins who are nine now. And so they are my proof that God answers prayers. But when they were nine months old, uh, we were told we'd always have to have help having kids. When they were um, nine months old, I found out I was pregnant on my own with her other miracle baby. And so she's my proof that God not only not only answers prayers, he does one better. He always outdoes the He's also proof that he has a sense of humor because three babies that close together. <laughs> but he knew what he had. He'd already written my story. He knew what he had in my, in my path, what he had set before me. And there is no way that I could do what I've done now without having that strong anchor in him. And every time troubles come and I start getting swayed, I have a real bad habit of trying to do things on my own. But he wants us, he doesn't want us carrying it on, his, on our own. He wants us to give it to him. And so when I start getting swayed, like, it just, it feels too heavy, and it just, you feel all alone, and it's just, why? I don't understand. But then, if I will stop myself, and I will start either speaking it or writing down all the ways he's come through for me time and time again, I find my anger. And it doesn't stop the storm, but it helps me stand and trust him because he's not failed me yet. Now, if he had spared me from that, just like with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he could have spared them. He couldn't have got, you know, he could have let Lazarus be healthy. They could have, you know, he could have spared them from just the heartache. But they needed that strong faith moment because he knew what he had in store for them. And without that moment, they wouldn't have been able to stand. Okay? The same thing with me. Had he had spared us and allowed us to have children when we started trying, Kenny and I weren't ready. Our marriage wasn't strong enough. And so I firmly believe today that had we had had our kids when we had started trying, we would have been divorced. Um, would we probably, would I still probably be a Christian and, and trusting God? Yes, probably. But I would be swayed so much easier and I wouldn't have that strong anchor. And so um, one of the things my dad, um, so my dad got placed in ICU right before teachers came back. So the very end of July, beginning of August, and he'd had a stroke. Um, he's not old, he's not even 70 yet. And has been in the hospital in ICU most of that time and is finally now in um, a, rehab, a rehab hospital trying to learn to walk again. And I was telling him about today and one of the things he said is that his pastor had come and was trying to pray it away. Like, you know, trying to, to sidestep things and just praying that he'd be completely restored and healed. And he just said, you know, I wonder if sometimes we have it all wrong when we pray. And he said, you know, when you read the Bible, you hear story after story of the struggle. And God coming through, through the struggle. And he just said, wondered if maybe what we need to do is start praying to give us strength to see his hand and strength to stand the storm. Not to pray it away. Because he, God loves us so much that he doesn't spare us from it. Because he knows what's on the other side of it. And so it's one thing to say it and hear it, but it's a whole other thing to live it when you're in the middle of it. And so my prayer is that if you're in the middle of the storm and you just it doesn't feel fair and you just don't see a way out and your life is in shambles, my prayer for you is that you see his fingerprints, that you can feel his presence, and that people will come into your path that will give you encouragement at just the right moment. Because I, I'm living proof that on the other side, like he promised, there's joy beyond measure. And I just, I couldn't imagine our life without just what has happened. And like, I would do it over and over again, even knowing 
all the nights that I cried myself to sleep and knowing how hard it was on our marriage and how hard it was on Kenny and my family, but it, it was worth it. Um, I want to make sure. I knew I was going to get nervous, so I wrote it all down. <laughs> so that's a little bit about me and my story. But now let's talk about you. So is this? So do you want to believe? But you wonder why a good God would allow you to hurt for so long. Do you want to believe? But the things that you've done, you feel like you feel so much shame for, and that you you feel that you don't deserve grace or mercy. Do you want to believe, and do you believe that Jesus is real because you've seen him move in other people's lives, but you wonder why he won't move in yours? Or are you a believer, but you can't get past this hurt, and you don't understand? Romans 8.28 says that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. How can anything good come from this? So you promise that you're working to our good, but maybe something has happened so bad in your life that you just don't see any good from it. So in all of these situations, you're right. It doesn't feel fair. And it's too heavy. And, you know, there's the quote that you know, that people always say that God won't give you anything that you can't handle. We've been misquoting it all along. It's God won't give you anything that he can't handle. And if it feels too heavy, it is too heavy. You were never meant to carry it alone. You weren't meant to. It is too heavy for you. But it's not too heavy for him. And so my prayer is just that, you know, you're here right now. You're still standing, maybe just barely, but you're here. You know, why are you in this service? Things are so hard, but why do you keep feeling that nudge? Just that little glimmer of hope when it just feels like there's no way out. You know, why do you hang on? It's because he's there and he's nudging. Now, the thing about God is he's not going to ever force himself on you. But he's not going to ever leave. He's always waiting on the sideline. But when we're trying to carry it ourselves, I tried, you know, I'm very independent. And my parents raised an independent girl. And I can do things myself. I don't need people. And that is such a lie. <laughs> and it ta- it's taken me getting broken down to nothing to where everything was falling apart and completely out of my control. I could do nothing to learn about his goodness. And what he teaches me time and time again is that when I just stop and let him, he does it so much better than me. And he has never failed to do that. So, he's not going to, coming to Jesus doesn't fix the problem. But, he promises that he captures every tear. And guys, not a single tear is shed in vain. He catches everyone and he's there for every moment. And we have proof in the Bible, he cries with us, he hurts. When you hurt, he hurts. He's going to be there to hold you. You can hide in the shadow of his wings when it just feels like too much. And you can also lay the pieces of your crumbled heart at his feet. If you let him. And so just my, my message to you and my prayer for you is just that you let him carry it for a while. And trust him with it. And when it just feels too much, like he's there and he knows your story and he's written something beautiful. And you just have to trust him in the moment, in the middle of the messy, that even when life feels like it's falling apart, it's really falling together. But you got to lean on your people. And so my prayer is just people can intervene at the right time and encourage you, but that you get to just really experience his goodness. And I just 
Pray that as you're looking around, you can see his fingerprints and be able to trust his goodness so that way you can find that anchor that holds you tight when things get tough. So, that is my message. And we are going to play some music. We will have prayer team members in the back. Um, and, um, we would be honored to pray with you if you would like that. You can also pray at the altar or just have a moment to yourself. But my prayer is just that you just see his goodness. And um, I know everyone has a story. And um, I know many of you have faced way harder things than I have. But I just wanted to share, just to, sh to tell you, like, seven years is a long time. And there was a lot of sadness, but man, his goodness is so much better. Amen. Amen. Amen.